This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. This morning, we are continuing a series, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that we are calling How to Neighbor. And it's this concept of being the church. What does it look like to be the church? And so last week, we kind of laid a foundation for this. We said that we were going to break it down into these like four um, sort of categories, subcategories, and we labeled each of them starting with a P, so it'd be easy to remember. And so last week, we talked about our perspective and how our perspective should be, does anyone remember? Hate. Our perspective should be hate. We should hate everyone all the time and judge them and tell them what's wrong about them at all times. No, no one remembers what we talked about last week, honestly. Okay, listen, if you're new around here, this is a kind of a little more conversational than, than some churches, okay? Does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Love. I love that. I don't even know who said it, but I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brad, my man. So uh, last week, we talked about our perspective and how our perspective should be love. And um, we looked at where Jesus was talking, and these dudes were asking him, and they were saying, you know, what's the most important thing? What's the, 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 the greatest commandment and all this stuff? And Jesus comes back and he says, listen, it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so essentially, Jesus says the most important thing is to love God and love people. And so we went through and we talked about how somehow our Christian perspectives have gotten shifted. We've taken important things. Now, hear me out. The things that we talked about last week are important things, but the problem comes in where we make those things the most important thing. And Jesus says, no, the top dog here is to love God and love people. And so at the very onset of all of this, we said that our perspective needs to be that of love. And so today, we're going to continue the conversation sort of building on that perspective of love, and we're going to look at how to neighbor and look at our protocol, the idea of our protocol. Now, how many of you guys know what protocol is. It's, kind of, it's one of those words that we, nobody, three people. Guys, this is going to be a long morning if I keep having to press stop and encourage you to participate here, okay? How many people know what protocol is? It's when I go like this, you raise your hand. That's protocol, okay? When I raise my hand, you raise yours. Definition right there. Um, now, protocol is like sort of rules, right, or, or standards, or it's correct conduct, and so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at the correct conduct for neighboring, to being a Christ follower, what our protocol should be. I love watching in movies, um, like submarine movies and, and things like that in the Navy, where something goes crazy wrong, or an attack is about to happen, or they're about to go on mission, or something's about to go down, and like they, they yell like, code red, or whatever the case may be, and everybody just scatters, right? Because everybody knows exactly what they have to do to make the ship work to make the, the, the battle successful. There's a protocol for every position. And so every position runs to their different outposts and their different responsibilities, and they do them. And if someone drops the ball in their position, it like screws everybody up, right? Am I the only person that watches these kind of things? Okay, I'm getting a little bit of head nods on that. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Thanks, Doug, appreciate that. Um, and so I, in a large ship, in the Navy, in the Army, and all these things, a protocol is a big deal to them, to the way that they function, the way that they succeed, the way that they kind of operate. Um, when you go out to eat, there's a protocol, 
right? If you go out to eat and you have a server, it is protocol to tip them, right? Or if you go and uh, the servers in here are like, hallelujah, preach, brother, right? Um, if you go and get your hair cut, there is protocol that you leave a tip, unless it looks horrible, which, looking around the room, that's some of you. I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. Um, it's protocol to leave a tip. And if you don't leave a tip when you get your hair cut and you eat something, you're kind of a jerk. I mean, that's just the reality. You're ignoring protocol. That's the rules. That's the, the sort of correct conduct for those things. When you're at home with your kids alone and you're watching all of your kids and one of your kids has like a major blowout in their diaper, protocol is to wait until your wife gets home and pretend like you didn't know. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't even smell it. That's protocol. Dead life 101, for those of you guys who are not there yet, okay? There, there's certain protocols that go with things. We have particular protocols at work, right? Many of us have protocol at work. There's rules, there's standards, there's correct conduct, there's procedures. Some of them are written and some of them are unwritten. But we know what the protocols, protocols are in our workplace. And many of us have particular protocol in our family, and these are a lot more unwritten than written, right? You can talk to this ant that way, but if you talk to that ant that way, you're liable to catch a backhand. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. You know exactly. There's particular protocol. You can get away with some things with dad that you can't get away with with mom, right? There's certain protocols in our family, and so we, we understand this idea of protocols. There's protocols in our friendships and our relationships and all of this stuff. Well, as a Christ follower, we have a foundational protocol. We have a protocol that applies to all of us at all times. It's sort of a foundational principle that should guide us. And so last week, we looked at our perspective. All of us should have the perspective of love that supersedes everything, that covers everything. We should love God with all that we are and love people with all that we are. And our protocol as a Christ follower, if I had to sum it up in one word, would be service. Our protocol as a Christ follower, is service. That's our responsibility. That's our conduct. That's what's expected of us. And it's not necessarily written on a contract when you sign up and say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. And he says, I'll come into your heart if you serve. It's not, it's not that sort of thing. But it's a protocol for us. It's something that should be automatic in our hearts, automatic in our minds, and automatic in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to look at this idea of service being the protocol of Christ followers. So let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll jump into God's word, and we'll dissect this a little bit more. So God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for that powerful time of worship we got to spend together. I thank you for the stinking amazing donuts in the lobby, and the coffee, and the people who get here early to set that up and to serve us so that we can foster an atmosphere of community and hanging out with each other. I thank you for that. I thank you for the freedom that we have to open your word I thank you for the honor that it is that not only are we allowed to draw near to you, but that you promise to draw near to us. That's such an honor and a privilege. God, I thank you for that. I pray this morning as we open your word that you would soften our hearts and you would open our minds and you'd make us receptive to what you have for us today. I pray that we'd be able to leave our baggage at the door, leave it at the foot of the cross, and open ourselves up to you today. God, speak through me. Use me as an effective mouthpiece for your truth. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning or your Bible apps, or if you're really lazy, it'll be on the screen. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, I'm going to pretend like I got the app. Matthew chapter 20, 
verses 20 through 28, it says this. It's a story of, of, of Jesus, so, so check this out. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. So this mom comes to Jesus and asks this favor. She's like, will you please do this for me? What is it that you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. So she says, listen, I got these two sons and I want one of them to sit at your right hand and the other one to sit at your left hand on your throne when you enter your kingdom, right? This is what I want for my kids. And so Jesus, in, in verse 22, he says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said this. So this mom comes to Jesus and says, I want my sons to be at your right and your left in your kingdom. And Jesus comes back and he's like, <laughs> silly woman, you don't know what you're asking. You don't understand. And then so then he's like, you know, this is not for your sons. This is not the way it all goes down. This is not the way it works. And so then the other disciples hear this and it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rules of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I showed you the picture of Jesus serving last time. I'm not going to do that again. Because I got some laughs and I got some hateful emails. So we're just going to skip that part this time. But Jesus comes to his disciples. He gathers them all together. He's like, listen, guys, you're all pissed at these guys because they asked to be number one. They asked to be at the top. And he's like, that's not the way it works in my kingdom. You guys wanted this, and that's not the way it goes down. He says, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be the greatest, you need to be a servant. You need to serve others. And I love this passage because I feel like it paints such a crystal clear dichotomy between the worldly protocol and the kingdom protocol. I feel like it, 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 it describes such a separation and such a difference in perspective, a difference in response, a difference in protocol. Because the worldly protocol is that the mother comes to Jesus, who's talking about this kingdom of heaven and how he's going to sit on the throne of the kingdom of heaven. And so the worldly protocol is to say, I want to be up top. I want to be up front. I want to be on his right and on his left. I want the most honored and distinguished position possible. That's what I want. And that's not only what I want. I want that for my children. It's so like, oh, it's a noble mother. And she's like, no, that's not the way it works. That's the way the worldly protocol is, right? The world is consistently and constantly telling us we need to advance. We need to climb, climb, climb. We need to, all I do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. Hey, all right, there's some youth group kids here. I like it. I like it. They know what I'm talking about. The rest of you are like, this guy's crazy. Um, you know, you try to win. You, you try to be first. You want that number one spot at all times. You're trying to get higher and higher and higher. You're trying to be the top dog. You're trying to be the boss. You're trying to get fame and fortune and everything that comes with it. And, and I thank you all. Right? You guys, some of you know that one. Fame and fortune and queen. I don't know where I'm at. But the world protocol, <laughs> some of you are catching up. That's a good one, right? Um, the world protocol is to say, elevate myself. 
Have you guys seen these new, this new marketing campaign uh, with Mark Wahlberg in them? It's on like every third commercial. And it's talking about how you can have everything you want, whenever you want, however you want, because you're American and you deserve it. And that's the way it should be. And you should have high-speed internet and you should watch this movie and you should do this because it's all about you and you're the best and you're the greatest and you need to succeed, right? Every time I see that commercial, it like stresses me out to the max. I'm like, seriously? But like they're sinking millions of dollars into this marketing campaign. You know why? Because it speaks to our culture. It speaks to who we are. It speaks to the American way that we are number one. Let us get to the top. Let us win. Let us succeed. Let us be the best and brightest. And on top of everyone else, we want to be number one. That's the worldly protocol that's exampled here by this mother. She comes and says, Jesus, I want my kids to be the very top, the very best. I want them to be the right and left of you in your kingdom. And Jesus says, that might be the way it works in the Gentiles, in the worldly culture, he says, right, they take their authority and they lowered it over you and they do all of this. And Jesus says, that might be the way it works there. But listen, the kingdom protocol is completely different. Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. What if Mark Wahlberg got up and said, hey, why don't you guys start serving people and caring about others? And instead of wasting your whole day watching TV, why don't you get out and help somebody? How well would that marketing campaign go? <laughs> Not very good, Right? Jesus says, listen, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. The kingdom protocol is to serve. The kingdom protocol is humility. The kingdom protocol, whether we want to embrace it and, and understand it or not, is not first and not to win, but it's identifying with the last and the least of these. It's taking the lowest spot. It's identifying with the marginalized and the outcasts. And that's not a popular message in our American culture. It's just not. Worldly protocol is climb, 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 win, 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 advance, advance, advance. And Jesus says, listen, pay attention, guys. You got it backwards. You got it wrong. He says, if you want to be great, you need to serve. And so the proper etiquette and protocol and systems and procedures and standards of a Christ follower, our automatic should be to serve, should be to serve others, not just ourselves. And so many of you are sitting here probably shifting in your chair thinking, of course, the pastor is telling us to serve. They must be low on nursery volunteers, right? He's going to get up and give a big volunteer push and all that. But listen, that, that, that's not even it. That's not even it. Our, uh, actually, our kids' ministry is probably the most banging ministry in our whole church. They got like 40 or 50-something volunteers. It's incredible because it's fun and it's exciting and there's a purpose to it. and It's great. And I love it. But listen, serving at church is awesome and amazing and wonderful. And if you're not serving in church, I want to encourage you to serve in church. Because if you're not, you're not getting even a fraction of what you could be getting out of this faith community. Because when you serve with others, that's when you start building relationships. That's when you begin to pour into others and your whole perspective shifts, your whole countenance shifts. And so if you're just coming and consuming, you're missing like 80% of what's going on around here. And so yes, I want to encourage you to serve, but serving at church is just like everything else we do around here. When we take offering at church, when we sing songs at church, when we open God's word and study at church. Listen, it's just a preview and a small sliver of what we're hoping that you're doing all week long. When we give in the offering and say, hey, be generous, that's just a sliver of hopefully what your generosity is all throughout the week. 
Hopefully you are consistently looking for ways to bless others, consistently looking for ways to give of your time, talents, and abilities, and money to help others. Hopefully when you come in here and sing songs of praise and adoration to Jesus, it's not the only time you spend worshiping Jesus. If it is, that sucks. Because hopefully you're doing that day in and day out, and you are consistently responding to God and his greatness and his magnificence and his wonder and his awe, and it's impacting you every single day. When we open God's word, hopefully I'm not the only person that's talking about this book to you. Hopefully this is not the only interaction that you're having with God's word. Because you need to be reading this all the time, day in and day out, because there is so much truth and so much life and so much power in this book. And so when we talk about serving, I'm not just talking about serving at church. I'm talking about serving all the time. When I say our protocol is to serve, I don't just mean a nursery volunteer. If you serve in kids ministry or you serve in the youth group or you serve on the worship team, I hope that that's not the only time you're serving other people. Because that's such a small fraction of your life. Such a small fraction of your existence. I'm hoping that that sets you up in a posture of service so that you'll take it with you when you leave this place and you begin to serve those around you. And so many of you are like, okay, well, uh, yeah, whatever. When I say our protocol is to serve, you're saying, well, what does this look like? What does this sound like? What does this feel like? How does this work? What, what is this, how does this all go down? If I had to boil it down to one thought or one idea or one sort of instruction or key takeaway, it would be this. Be others focused. Be others focused. And I don't even know if that's proper grammar or English. Lori, is that even proper to say it that way? She threw her hands up. That means no. In her very polite Lori way, she goes, that means no. But be others focused. Focus on other people. Our protocol as a Christ follower at the foundation of it should be this big, giant, etched in on the cornerstone of that should say, be others focused. Because popular culture tells us to be self-centered. Popular culture tells us to be self-focused. Popular culture tells us to be self-serving. The Mark Wahlberg commercial is a perfect example of what popular culture is telling us. But kingdom culture is telling us to be others focused in all areas of life. Jesus says, you guys got it backwards, man. You want to be the greatest, be the least. Think of others. Put others before yourselves. Relationally, all of your relationships don't need to be self-serving. Do you hear me? All of your relationships don't need to be self-serving. Here's a tip. Don't spend all of your conversation talking about yourself. Don't spend all of your conversation talking about yourself. Oh, well, Sam, I don't do that. Pay attention to your next conversation and see how much of it is centered around yourself because that's going to be a pretty good litmus test on where your heart's at and where your head's at and where your life is at. Relationally, all of your relationships don't have to be self-serving. Socially, all the things that you spend your time doing don't have to be you-centered. Did you know that? All the things that you spend your time doing don't have to be you-centered. Here's a tip. It's okay to do things that are not your favorite thing if it means the world to others. So often in our culture, we're like, oh, I'm not doing that. I don't like that. What would it mean to someone else if you did that? Shift your perspective. Shift your context. Everything you do doesn't have to be your favorite thing to do. That's a very, like, millennial concept, right? That we have to love everything that we're doing at all times, 
Guys, that's not the kingdom culture. I'm not saying you got to walk around and be miserable, but everything you do doesn't have to be self-serving. Everything you do doesn't have to be your favorite thing. Think about others. What about that thing that you do? What if it impacts them in a great and mighty way? And they are able to see Jesus through that. And relationally, uh, socially, physically, use your strength and your giftedness and your talents and your abilities to help and serve others. We talked about this a few weeks back where we said, you know, uh, you see a need and you say, oh, I can do that. I got this. This one's mine. Right? And we talked through this and we spent a few weeks talking <laughs> about that. See a need and help. Say, I, I see that need and I'm going to do something about it. This past week, um, I, I was helping someone, uh, Caleb, well, Quinn, you guys know Quinn. He's the guy that is consistently wearing Michigan State stuff, like always. I, I believe that his underwear and socks are probably Michigan State nine times out of ten. He's just obsessed. Well, Quinn, he travels a lot for business, and so he was in Cincinnati all week. And, and Kayla writes me, on, Kayla's his wife, she writes me on like Thursday or Friday, and she's like, hey, Sam, um, so I want to mow the lawn for Quinn because, um, you know, he's been out of town, and I just want to take that off his plate. Really sweet, awesome thing. She's like, but I don't want to break the lawnmower. So I don't know if, like, it gets oil or gas or gas or oil or what. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll come over. I'll help you. I'll, I'll help you figure it out. So I go over there, and I'm cutting the grass, right? And so I cut the grass, and we're doing this, and she's, like, weed whipping like a champ. I'm like, we should start our own landscaping company. I mean, we, are, we were knocking it out of the park. It was incredible. Sam and Kayla does grass. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we're doing it. That's probably not a good idea, is it? I didn't hear that until I said it, and then I didn't get it until you laughed. That's bad. Is there a way to take that out of the podcast? Like, can it just be an awkward edit there? Um, Sam and Kayla does landscaping. Let's put that in there. That's, that's so bad. Sometimes I script my jokes, and I didn't do that one, and that was not intentional. That was bad. What was I saying? <laughs> Bottom line, I cut her neighbor's grass because I saw a need and I thought that th that should happen. And that's not to say that I'm great. That's just to say that's our protocol as Christians, as Christ followers. That should be our automatic. When you see a need, you fill it. You don't call somebody else to fill it. You don't say, oh, I hope somebody gets that. You go across the driveway and you cut their grass because it's what you do. It's protocol. It's the standard. It's the automatic. Does that make sense? And don't do grass. Um, Mentally, mentally, we talked about relationally, socially, physically, mentally, consistently ponder ways to bless and help and serve others. Everything you think about, all your mental capacity and all your mental power doesn't have to be spent on yourself. You know, someone who's in incredible at this is Carmen, our kid's pastor. Someone will say something and I'll see her bust out her phone and jot something down. And I'll look, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just taking notes. Whenever someone says they like something or they like going somewhere, she types it in her phone because she wants to remember that and put it in a database so later she can bless them. So she knows they're having a bad day. She goes into her phone. She looks at what they have. She's like, oh, they like Verners. She'll show up with a 20 ounce of Verners and say, hey, I know you're having a bad day here. I know you like this. Let me help you. It's that simple. Costs like $1.35 at the gas station. But what she's doing is she's using her mental space to think about others, to bless others. Not being so self-consumed that it's all about me all the time. Or emotionally, be sensitive, be empathetic, be proactive. If you know someone's hurting, don't wait until they come up to you to talk about it. Go seek them out. Be others-focused. Sometimes, emotionally, just be there. Just be there. You don't have to have the right thing to say. You don't have to have all the fix-all answers. Just be there. 
Have a keen awareness of the joy as well as pain of others. Be others-focused. And spiritually, guys, spiritually, listen, it's not all about you. It's really not. You know, the message of Jesus is not, hey, download all this information so that you can be holy. It's not, that's not the goal. That's not the heart of the message. That's not the way it works. It's about receiving and reflecting, being others-focused. You know, you're blessed to be a blessing. It's that concept in all areas and scope of life. Here's a tip. Stop looking for a church that is meeting all of your needs. Stop looking for a church that's meeting all of your needs because, again, that's so backwards. Stop looking for a church that's meeting all of your needs. Be the church and meet the needs of others. That's the kingdom perspective. Stop looking for a church that you can consume, 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 and it meets all your needs. No, you are the church. And your protocol is to meet the needs of others, is to serve, is to be last, not first. It's not to step on people on your way up, but to help others up along the way. That's the protocol of a Christ follower. We said last week that, that God doesn't need more soldiers. He needs more neighbors, right? You guys know we use this term, the gospel, the gospel message of Jesus, the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus. You know what the gospel means? It means good news. Gospel literally means good news. You know what we need to ask ourselves? Are we good news? Think about it. Are we good news? When people encounter us, are we good news? Is it a good interaction? When people are done with us, do they feel energized or do they feel drained? Think about it, honestly introspectively. These are tough questions that we need to ask ourselves. You know, we're trying to be good neighbors here. Are we good news? When we talk to people, are they like, man, that was an awesome time to interact. That was, I feel energized from being with that person. Or are they like, next time, will you please give me a heads up if they're coming? I mean, seriously, honestly, when we spend time with people, are we charging them up or are we sucking them dry? Are we charging them up because we're so others-focused that we're looking for ways to edify them and build them and bless them and love them? Or are we sucking them dry because we're looking for them to edify us and feed us and tell us how great we are and talk about us the whole time because our whole focus is us? Think about it. To be a good neighbor, we are called, the protocol of a Christ follower is to serve, is to be others-focused, to be others-focused focused. And here's the deal, guys. We need to invest in our neighbors. And when I say that, I don't just mean church people. When I say that we need to invest in our neighbors, I don't just mean church people. <laughs> I'm talking about we need to stop being so strategic to convert and say, oh, come to my church, come to my church, come to my church, come to my church. Let me come meet Jesus, come meet Jesus and have our 12-step program on how to win souls for the Lord. Now listen, guys, we need to be a good neighbor. And when we do that, the gospel will go there. When we're living the gospel day in and day out and investing into people, the message of Jesus will shine bright. The message of Jesus will scream loud and clear. When relationship is the foundation of your neighboring, everything is more receptive. I was reading a book this week, and it was incredible, this quote. It was so crazy. I, I threw it on social media. I read it like five times. I've talked about it 20 times since. And it was just absolutely incredible. It's about this, this couple who planted a church in South Austin. 
and um, their church is different. They do things differently. They approach things differently. And it, it, was, it was really, really cool the way they said this. They said this. They said, we can continue to invite unbelievers to church, but we must first invite them into our lives. I mean, I could stop right there. That could be the whole message this morning. We can continue to invite unbelievers to church, but we must first invite them into our lives. Have them over. Go to dinner. Welcome them in. Create a safe place for them to belong without agenda. They needn't, they needn't worry about following your Christian rules yet or pretending to in front of us. We must become their advocates, embracing them as dear friends so they may one day feel comfortable belonging with us. This is not a strategy for rapid church growth, but the patient hard work of love is the way of Christ. It is the subversive path into the kingdom. Guys, we need to serve others. We need to be others focused. And not just so we can proselyte them and save their souls from hell, but that we can be Jesus in their everyday life. So that we can be an example, so we can be the good news of Christ in all that we do, everywhere we go, every person we interact with. Our protocol as a Christ follower is to serve, is to be others focused. Our perspective is love. Love God and love people. Our protocol is to serve, put others before ourselves. And so maybe you're in here today and, and, and you're kind of going through your journey, your life journey, your faith journey, whatever the case may be, and this is your world and we just live in it. You know? You're so focused on what you got going on and what you're doing and where you're at in life and what you're struggling with and what you're succeeding in and, and where you are personally that you don't even think or care about anybody else at this phase. And so maybe you need to realize that you might have it a little backwards, that the culture of the kingdom is to be others-focused, is not to serve ourselves, but is to serve others and see how we can impact and edify and bless others, even if it makes us uncomfortable at times, even if it stretches us beyond our comfort zone, even if it means we have to kind of suppress some things that we actually want to do, to do some things that we might not want to do so much, but if it means blessing others and being a help to others and serving others, that that takes precedent. Maybe we're in here today, and as we're talking, you're realizing, man, I don't think I fall in the category of good news. You know? Maybe when people interact with me, they walk away, and I see them sweating, and I don't know why, but now it's all starting to click, right? They're a little flushed in the face, and like, okay, all right, that was an interaction, okay. Maybe we're not good news. Maybe it's not even relationally. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe we're not good news. Maybe we're too busy defending Jesus, and we're not spending enough time proclaiming Jesus. Maybe we're too busy telling everyone else how wrong they are, and we're not telling them what's right about Jesus. So maybe you're not being the good news that you need to be. You're not living the gospel of Jesus. Or maybe you're in here today and the trajectory of your life might just need to be shifted and tilted and altered a little bit. You know, maybe you're working hard, long hours so you can finally get to a place where you can be served. Maybe you're working hard and trying to advance and, and move and move and move and move and so that one day the goal, the end game, the end goal is that other people will serve you. 
You can have all these all this power and all this money and all this influence and it's gonna be so magical. Maybe that's your perspective. And Jesus says, guys, that's not the kingdom culture. That's not what I've called for my people. Your protocol is to serve. And that's gonna be weird. It's gonna be awkward. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be very, 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 very hard. But the protocol of a Christ follower is to serve. The perspective of a Christ follower is to love. And if we want to be good neighbors, if we want to be the neighbors that God has called us to be, it's going to take love and it's going to take service. And those need to be at the bedrock of all that we do and all that we are. And so we've carved out a little bit of time here today for the band to lead us in another song so that if you are doing business with God, if you feel like, man, maybe it's not one of the things that I hit. Maybe God's doing something totally different in you. You're like, man, I need to, I need to do some house cleaning. I need to do some some realization. You know, maybe you've been bouncing around in churches for years looking for them to serve you. You need to realize that's not the point. You're the church. Find a way to serve others. Maybe that's you. Wherever you are in the spectrum, wherever you are in the conversation with the Holy Spirit this morning, we want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. We want to give you guys an opportunity to do business with God and say, God, what's going on here, man? Well, how do I need to change? How do I need to grow? What do you have for me this morning? So the band's going to lead us I want to encourage you to do business with God. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your word. I pray this morning that as we take in to consideration and we begin to ponder and we begin to look inward at what you may be doing in our hearts and maybe doing in our lives, I pray that we would be receptive to your Holy Spirit. God, if we're in here today and our entire life and world and everything revolves around us, I pray that you would enable us to see that. I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the strength to see where we're off-centered and where we're off-base. But not only that, I pray that you would give us the audacity and the courage and the strength change, to do something about it, that we would be a people, that our perspective is love. We love you with all that we are. We chase after you in every area of life. And with that same vigor and that same intensity, we love your people. We love others. And God, I pray that as that being our perspective that shapes who we are and what we do, that our natural response, that our protocol would be to serve others. Not to be soldiers, but to be neighbors. God, we open ourselves up for you to do business in our hearts and our lives this morning. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.